Our reading this morning is by Mary Oliver. It's entitled, The Summer Day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings over and floats away. I don't know exactly what prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel into the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. What should I've done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me what it is your plan is to do with your one wild and precious life. We have a panel of ladies. Did I do that? Hope I didn't. We have a panel of ladies this morning that are part of our Seven Acres Committee. And one by one, they're going to come up and share with you nurturing beauty. Susan Cohn. Hi, I'm Susan Cohn. Um, when I was in high school, I took a botany class. We had to collect 50 plant blooms above ground only. It was for high school and not a scientific research. Any more than 50 were extra credit. It was here I learned about wild versus cultivated plants. Glad I got a few more than 50 for that extra credit. In college, I studied ecology, a branch of science concerned with the interrelationship of organisms and their environments. I learned how, about how communities of plants and animals are defined by their environment. Wetlands are different from deserts, are different from prairies and oceans. Interrelationships change when outsiders or invaders come to roost or when some of the locals die out. Then I went to graduate school and studied interactions between animals that eat, each, eat other animals and can be eaten in turn. After all that studying, I started work for the Division of Water for the state of Kentucky. People in my branch could identify the bugs, fish, and algae in a stream and determine if it was a healthy community. Those creeks were impacted by what happened on the land in the watershed that drained into it. It matters how we treat the land, how we deal with our human needs of growing food, building homes, and transportation. But it also matters how we protect the waterways by providing buffers of plants protecting the banks from erosion and chemicals. We drink that water too. 
We need to make it safe for us. We need to return it to a state that is safe for aquatic life. Okay, back to plants. My second spring at the Division of Water, I joined one of my coworkers on a project to save native wildflowers from a ravine that was being filled in by debris from a, to make a safer road. It was early enough in the spring to see lots of natives in bloom. A couple of the plants we collected that day were wood poppies and wild columbine. She started a native plant business and I started a love of gardening with natives. We have lived in three houses since then and each time we have changed at least part of the yard into something colorful bringing along some poppies and columbine with each move. I grew up in Lexington in the suburbs, hard to believe, but I currently live about two miles away from that house in a different suburb. We joined UUCL almost 22 years ago. We have time and I have some experience with native plants. So I share that by working on our seven acres to carry forward what was created before me. This place was a farm field in 1959 with you, when UUCL first purchased the land. Earlier members planted native trees, fruit trees, and established a memorial garden. I joined the never-ending struggle to stay ahead of the honeysuckle, winter creeper, and other invasives. Recently, we started putting back by planting new trees and shrubs and creating more wildflower gardens. For me, this is what it means to nurture beauty. Bring back diversity to our landscape and welcome the interrelationship of organisms in our spaces. We acknowledge that the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington gathers on the traditional land of over 20 indigenous tribes and pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. I hope my nurturing ways are succeeding in that call. I don't have the prettiest picture of the group, but you'll understand why in just a second. My grandmother nurtured beauty in her garden like no one else I have ever known. She had her own special sense of what beauty meant. I remember one fall day when she and seven-year-old Linda visited the old persimmon tree in the corner of her farm. I'd never gone with her to gather persimmons before, but because I loved her persimmon pudding, I was happy to help. Like any child, I ran ahead to the tree and found the prettiest oranges persimmon and popped it in my mouth. Some of you know the secret, don't you? My lips puckered and I spit the bitter, nasty fruit on the ground. Somehow keeping a straight face, my grandma picked up a soft, gooey, slightly blackened piece of fruit and told me, here, eat this. I always minded grandma, so I reluctantly ate. Her persimmon had been touched by the frost, and the taste was perfect. But it was so ugly, I said. Pretty is as pretty does, said Grandma. 
I thought about that childhood experience some 20 years later when I found myself walking around the church grounds with founding member Wayne Davis on another autumn day. Back in the day, Wayne delighted in telling new folks about the young native forest he and others had planted and were nurturing on the grounds. Near the Allen House, a few larger and mature trees stood out. Um, one of them was, had beautiful orange persimmons all around the ground. Wayne loved to tempt people to taste those persimmons. He was probably sorely disappointed when I wisely declined, but he wasn't finished with me yet. Did I know what that clump of messy brown seeds on the ground nearby came from? From the persimmon tree? No, it came from the resident possum who loved to eat persimmons. An ugly possum? Not to Wayne. He hated possums, other, he hated possums other favorite food and that was ticks more than anything. For Wayne, the plants and trees he nurtured on our property were beautiful because of the gifts they gave. The very hardy hackberry tree was green and lush in the spring but its leaves were soon covered by nasty looking tiny insect galls. Those insects were food for birds and their babies. Chickadees also feeded on all the caterpillars that were there because hackberry is the host for a giant isle moth and for at least six different species of butterflies, including the beautiful hackberry emperor. You'll hear more about that butterfly in just a second. Wayne's pride and joy were his apple trees. They not only added beauty to our spring landscape and food for the critters and people in the fall, but even the apples that escaped harvest fell to the ground, rotted and provided nourishment for those same hackberry butterflies and other butterflies that puddled around them. Very little went to waste on the church property in those days. Even the weeds were used by Wayne and his simple living followers in salads on weekly potlucks. Pretty is as pretty does. For my grandmother and Wayne, beauty was so much more than just skin deep. They loved the natural world, they nurtured its beauty, and cherished the connections. I don't know about you, but as a Unitarian Universalist, I want to be like Wayne. I want to see us live our UU values right here on these beautiful seven acres by celebrating every living thing in the web of life around us and nurturing the beauty for generations to come. My name is Carrie Lida Lussier. I'm a chemist and a partner with doTERRA, providing gifts of the earth for health and wellness. I've been attending here for eight years, and thanks for the chance to share today about something that is close to my heart. Um, the photo credit goes to, and thank, my thanks go to my friend and mentor, Vicki Holmberg. So before I get started, I need to define for you what I will mean when I use the phrase native plants. By native plants, I mean plants that existed here in the bluegrass region 500 plus years ago. So until recently, when asked about my favorite hobby, I would say, I'm a native plant gardener, or I'm obsessed with native plants. But I realize now that while that statement is true, it's lacking. It doesn't tell the whole story. For me, science and history ground my native plant obsession. Let me explain. And whether you are here in person or online, 
please close your eyes for a minute. Think about the area outside the walls of the room in which you sit. Buildings, people, grass, trees, plants, concrete, roads, whatever. Keep your eyes closed. Now in your imagination, keep that same area around you in mind and dial back the clock 500 years. Try to imagine what that same area around you was like 500 years ago. What people, what structures, what animals, what plants. Focus on the plants and animals, including trees and birds. They all formed an interdependent web of life. They'd been coexisting and co-evolving together for millions of years. An amazing ecosystem. The wildlife depended upon the plants and the plants depended upon the wildlife in innumerable partnerships. For me, nurturing beauty is honoring, reinstating, and protecting that ancient ecosystem as much as possible. Okay, you can open your eyes. So take a look at this flower and hummingbird on the screen. Ask yourself, on this day 500 years ago, were there hummingbirds near your location? Probably yes. Was there ideal food for them? Almost certainly yes. Here in the bluegrass, this flower was one of their favorites, and this flower required the hummingbirds for its own reproduction, a specific partnership. Notice the perfect match between the shape of the flower and the bird's long, narrow beak. Also notice how the bird must be able to hover to drink the nectar, and hummingbirds are skilled at hovering. So now, dial the clock forward again to today. Are there hummingbirds near you right now? Maybe. Is there this ideal food source for them near you? Often not. Is there ideal food source some distance away? Often not. And if you're thinking of human provided sugar water, that isn't ideal food. 500 years ago today, here on our seven acres, there surely were hummingbirds. And there almost certainly were lots and lots of their favorite food plants. But today I believe that there are zero of this beautiful pictured plant. And I'd be surprised if there are any for blocks. And from what I know, here on our seven acres, there weren't any other of their best food partner in last, it, until last year when some native plant gardeners planted some. But those won't bloom to provide any nectar for months. Hummingbirds have no guarantee that they can find the food they need. For this reason, for me, nurturing beauty is planting and protecting such plants. Such plants are a favorite of mine, not because they are visually beautiful, which they are, and not because they grow easily, which they don't, and not because they are sold at my nearest big box store, they certainly are not, these plants are favorites of mine precisely 
because they are the best and perfect foods for wildlife. And 500 years ago, there were plenty of these plants around here. So for me, nurturing beauty is planting and protecting milkweed for Monica Monarch whenever I can and sharing the wonder and worry of monarch butterflies with others. It's encouraging things that were part of the original ecosystem and discouraging things that were not. It's finding delight in the stunning and gorgeous variety of form and function of native plants. It's appreciating the hugely important role that insects play in pollinating our food. It's leaving leaf litter and sticks around for insects benefits. Learning to cultivate and share my rare native plants. Ignoring the showy plants most stores promote. And it's fighting for limiting development and for wider buffer spaces along streams. Nurturing beauty to me means easier and gentler gardening, less grass, more wildflowers. It's joy and delight when I see bees, bugs, butterflies, birds, and other wildlife in my garden. It means my outdoor flower plots like these look green all winter and they flower on their own starting in March without me buying or planting anything new. And the early bees just love these. Nurturing beauty for me is also my family and me toiling year after year against the formidable foe of invasive plants all around us. These incredibly tenacious non-native plants choke and kill most plants around them. And in so doing, they've killed so many pieces of the ecosystem. And it means to me partnering with others who also recognize and value the almost unrecognizable shreds of a beautiful ecosystem that once was here in the bluegrass. With a knowledge that doing all we can at each of our homes and churches and communities is crucial for the future we want for plants, animals, and yes, people too. Hello, I'm Mary Miller. Beauty is, the eye, is in the eye of the beholder. There are all manners of plants and insects and gardens. The possibilities are endless as a gardener carries out a vision of beauty. But most of all, a garden is a reflection of hope. Gardeners are the ultimate optimist, seeing possibilities and planning for the future. A daffodil bulb is an humble object, lumpy and pale, but oh, the potential. Something in a gardener's soul wants to nurture a bulb or a tiny seed and give it the chance to grow. I take a daffodil bulb on a cold day in November and the future stretches out before me. The certainty that I will be rewarded with blooms for many years, daylilies and daffodils and tulips, milkweed and coneflowers and bee balm and black-eyed Susans, glorious perennials. Even in the depth of winter, when my yard is covered with snow, I know that underneath the ground, life continues and spring will arrive. My grandson Dylan convinced another child who was eating an apple for lunch to give the seed to him, and he brought that seed home. 
He scouted around for the perfect place, not too close to the house, because in his vision, a tree will grow from that seed. He has learned from his grand gardening grandmother that seeds are magical. And if his apple tree, tree fails to materialize, we'll plant tomatoes or cucumbers and delight in eating the fruits of our work, the food we help to create. When I was suffering with long COVID, the 70 daffodil and tulip bulbs that I had ordered weeks previously arrived at my home. I was feverish and coughing, short of breath and miserable, and it was hard to look beyond getting through each day, sometimes through each hour. Hope was elusive, optimism at a very low ebb. I couldn't imagine how I would get those bulbs into the ground. But with some help from my daughter and her family in clearing a patch of my yard, I began going out every day. Sometimes I would get four or five bulbs into the ground before being overcome with exhaustion. Over a period of a couple of weeks, all 70 bulbs were finally planted. So much effort, and my reward was going to be delayed for months. But my health improved and spring returned, and I went out daily looking for the first signs of life, wondering if I had planted the bulbs too deeply, if the spot was too shady. But then one by one, shoots pushed their way through the soil, and the plants grew and bloomed in glorious reds and yellows. As I nurture my garden, I have learned many life lessons, and I will share only a couple of those. I have learned that I will make mistakes and there will be another chance to get it right. I have learned that my garden and my life are not completely under my control and my ability to accept and adapt is a key to serenity. Beauty comes in my many forms, a tiny white snowdrop, the delicate blue flowers of Brunaria, a predatory praying mantis, the ordinary orange daylily, which I dug up from my parents' garden and transplanted, repeating the process as I move multiple times. That living memento will soon bloom again. Nurturing beauty feeds my soul. And a quick announcement. Uh, if anybody wants to take a tour of our grounds, brief and visiting only certain areas or longer, uh, those of us who spoke will be uh, glad to do that. And some of the areas we have here are a pollinator garden that's behind the church, a wildflower garden right on Clay's Mill Road, a new path through the woods. Uh, we would be glad to show you any and all of those.